the Ponzi, Ponzi podcast. podcast. The thing that we learned, I guess, from the last one was, or from from just what we did, was that we kind of pre-discussed the topic a couple of days ago, and we talked on the phone for an hour, and we kind of said, like, man, we should have recorded this because it was yeah. more natural. Yeah. So we hope, yeah, that we can kind of wrap through the whole thing. But let's let's maybe go through why we wanted to talk about this, right? I think it came from, because in the last uh, episode that we did on value of a token, we kind of briefly touched upon it, but we didn't go into it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we sort of had the idea that we should talk about this because this was an interesting topic, right? Maybe you can tell us about uh, the, the Doomberg piece just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, I think in essence, in, you know, everyone should go and read that that article because it's a good one, and we're huge fans of Doomberg. Uh, but I think in essence, if we were to boil it down, he says, or they say, um, with with cryptos, you've got this pipe in and pipe out into the crypto space, um, and unless the money coming in is always more than the money going out. Um, in a way, it's a Ponzi, right? Like the value of it is only because there's always more money coming in than money going out. And therefore, it's a Ponzi. I don't know. I mean, that's a, a super simplistic way and high level way of explaining it. So everyone just please go read the article. I don't know if there's anything else in that article flow you thought of maybe that we need to share. Yeah, I guess like the, the main thing was really in, in the piece, they sort of, and I'll link it in the show notes. So they, they'll, they kind of said when they got introduced to Bitcoin very, very early on, um, mm -hmm. they were sort of skeptical of, of like if these returns that were promised or that were sort of that you've seen that they were sustainable and that um, in order for that to happen, they, that's what you said, right? They drew these two circles. They said, like, we've got the, the real economy, fiat. Um, and then we've got the crypto universe is what they called it. And then between these two, they drew these two, two pipes, like you said, right? And the one is like incoming money, investors right. putting their money in. And then um, the outgoing would be investors taking their money out. Mm -hmm. And they said that since they don't think Bitcoin produces anything, um, it... it it, it like the inflow pipe, like the amount of money that needs to flow into the system to secure the returns um, would have to be larger than what can be taken out. And I, I don't necessarily agree on that assessment. And I've, I've drawn up some charts and maybe we can look at them later. But like, yeah, I think the idea of a Ponzi scheme uh, comes from this, comes from this, uh, or from multiple people, right? There was this guy and he promised returns um a lot higher than what was usual and he yeah basically was just an investment thing right so he got investors to invest into this thing and he paid the first investors um the high fee that he promised and um he then but the system was then reliant upon finding new people to put in their money right so that the first could be paid out but what you could already see with this scheme was that only the first few 
got paid out because over time you weren't able to pay out all these other people. I think it's like so somewhat, yeah. Basically he was paying, let's say the 10 people joined, he gives them and he gives them a payout, right? He gives them some form of returns, telling them it's an investment, right? Investment returns. Then the next, these guys go, go out, tell a hundred other people, Hey, I just made 20% in two months. You know, this, this guy's a gun. He's the best investment analyst, re, whatever trader ever. So these hundred people then put in money, but instead of him really using investments to pay people out, he then takes whatever money's coming in and pays them. And there's actually a, a moral corruption there because he's lying, right? He's telling people that yeah. you're getting paid via investment returns. But what he's doing is actually paying people from other people's seed funding, right? Like yeah. other people's seed investments. Yeah. So I think it's important to, to, to highlight that aspect as well. Like just because money going out might be more or less, the, the question is also where is that money coming from, right? Like is it coming from the next person that's buying in? Or is it coming from some form of value that's being generated in a system, right? Because it's not yeah, a Ponzi yeah. scheme. If let's say he was really good in investing and he was able to keep paying people more than what they, you know, and 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 more and more people started coming in and he got, let's say one day he has 10,000 people joining up, doesn't mean he's a Ponzi, right? Yeah. It's only a Ponzi if he's lying about how he's paying that money back, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. If, if he can rake in the returns, of 20% a year, who knows, um, then, uh, yeah, that might be totally legit, right? Because he's just a smart, very smart investor. Yeah. Um, and like Warren Buffett is not a Ponzi, Ponzi scheme, right? He's, he's kind of managed to return high rates over a long period of time. And so have done others. Um, and yeah, so the Ponzi scheme is really more like this fraudulent thing, but then there's also the pyramid scheme. And I, sometimes struggle a little bit to distinguish them maybe because I'm not an economist, but I think the, the other one is like that you kind of, you have this more like a self-fulfilling system, right? So you have the first joiners and you turn them into marketers because they've received the returns, right? And then for them to receive returns, they're going to go and recruit more people uh, to join this whole system. Right. And then, uh, yeah you have this exponential growth that you require to, to sustain the, the growth, but it's kind of based on the same um, mechanism that the system itself doesn't gain in value, right? It doesn't increase in value that much or it's intrinsic value, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a pyramid scheme is in essence, just a more honest Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah. They basically tell everyone, Hey, Buy, you need to buy XYZ product so that yeah. you are now staked and you can then tell your friends to sell XYZ product and whenever they sell it, you get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, that, that would probably be more related to some uh, crypto or token projects that maybe have, have done this in a, in a similar way. I don't know. Um, there, there's definitely some out there that are fraudulent and they're only based on new people coming in and, and buying off the tokens. But I think the really critical and important part is to look at value, right? And th I think that's how we came to this whole idea because the last uh, recording or session podcast that we did was about value. We really looked into um, what's kind of the value that we create and how can you, how can a token help to capture that value? Right. Mm -hmm. And 
if something creates value or has intrinsic value, then um, and if you don't promise returns that you that you can't make, then I don't think it is a Ponzi scheme. Um, yeah, and it is. It was very important for us to 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 touch on this point and to go deep into this um, aspect of tokens and and crypto assets, right? Because we're pretty excited about tokens, obviously. Um, but at the same time, it's important for us to say, hey, you know, how do we know that we're walking into an arena that is has moral integrity and it's not something that it's just a get rich quick scheme, you know, where the early adopters get rich off the, the latecomers. So that's why we decided, I think, to, to really dig a little bit deeper in, into this topic for this space, right? Yeah, yeah. And look into it. And, you know, we had this one example, and I really like that one, because we both love watches. And we kind of talked about Seiko. Look, he's wearing Seiko. 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 I'm wearing this uh, Seiko movement, but it's, yeah, not a Seiko watch, but it's a Singaporean watch. Um, and it's done well. It hasn't rusted after lots of surf sessions. So we, com- we kind of compared, you know, Rolex, it's and my my personal experience with this if you would try to buy a rolex it's impossible to get a submariner uh currently just walking into a shop you just can't get it people buy it immediately and they know that they can they can kind of resell it for higher once they've just bought it at the shop right and that's this this crazy thing people think it's a really good investment and it might be but if you think of it from the perspective of maybe intrinsic value and intrinsic value for a watch could be just like the materials it's made of the movement like how accurate can it keep time and maybe some special features like a uh i don't know a gmt a second gmt hand so you can um have two hour hands and um, use different time zones or something like that right but seiko which who also produce really good watches they might have a similar watch with very similar features, similar materials and all that kind of stuff, but still they don't sell nearly as high as Rolex watches. Um, and I think that's a Ponzi yeah. to some degree, right? It's not, yeah. and we also talked about like this Ponzi scale, right? I think there's like a, there's like this, um, it's not always a, like a full Ponzi, but it's like partially, of course, Rolex has intrinsic value, but the, that the, uh, the surplus on top or the, the amount on top that it trades that's something that's just purely speculation because you think somebody else is going to value it more um, than, yeah, what you valued it at, right? Or what you bought it at. Yeah. It, and it doesn't what, produce what any value, what right? We say, <laughs> well, we said something during the call, right, about how to differentiate between price and value. Because, you know, like there are some very famous um, quotes from people like, Buffett, who says stuff like, hey, price is what you pay, value is what you get. Um, but uh, when, yeah. when we were talking about it, we said, hey, if you could not sell something that you've bought or something like that, right, wasn't it? If, if yeah, you buy yeah. something that can never be sold again, how much would you pay for it? Yeah, yeah. And that might be a closer representation of its value, right? Whereas of everyone like that buys value, a Rolex... Yeah. Yeah, everyone that buys that Rolex, they're willing to stand in a line, get on the waiting list for five years just to buy something, knowing that they can probably sell it off to somebody else for more money. Yeah. 
Yeah. If 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 they were told, hey, whatever whatever submariners you buy, you're only ever going to be able to sell it for maximum what you paid. I'm not sure if it would have that much, um, yeah, fanatics chasing after it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that I was visiting um, Leipzig, yeah. and I sorry, I just want to share this crazy. <laughs> we went into this dealer, right? Because a, a friend of mine in Singapore said, "Hey, he, she, they would really like to buy a Rolex for their son, who's like now four years old, and they'd like to give it to him when he's graduated, right?" So I went into this authorized dealer in the city center in Leipzig in Germany, and I had and this this is a small city. People there are not really into luxury stuff, right? And I'm I'm standing there, and there's a queue to get in. There's no queues anywhere else, right? But there's a queue to get into this place, and I'm standing there. And then I finally, after about an hour, I get to talk to someone, and he says, "Oh yeah, we have a lot of、um, Rolexes on display, but we basically have no Rolexes for sale." You know,、yeah. so if you want to, you can get on our waiting list. And you know, if you if you build up a reputation with us, like if you buy the less popular watches, maybe one day you'll get the more popular watches, right? Yeah. And so, I was asking him, like, okay, so for you know, for Submariner, for GMT, for Explorer, you know, these watches,、um, how how long's the waiting list? He's like, oh, in fifteen years, maybe you will get one. Yeah, yeah. I think they have a problem with scarcity, right? They just the yeah, or maybe it's 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 put there on purpose, right? This this、yeah. scarcity drives everybody into a frenzy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's thinking, oh man, it, this is so scarce. It's so hard to get. I want one at any price, right? Yeah, yeah. And this kind of, I I'd like to, you know, when when you just said that, I thought of like these. These bored apes or the crypto punks, you know, these NFTs.、Um, I think sometime mid last year, or so they came out, and there was just this insane hype, right? Because they said we're going to only have ten thousand of these profile pictures, and they're basically like pixel twenty-four by twenty-four pixel versions of some comic punk, and there's,、uh, yeah, ten thousand of them, and then some. They all have different features, and some have. Uh, yeah, more rare features, I guess, more scarce features, and people went crazy for these,、uh, just yeah, scarce features, right? They just said like, we're gonna, we're gonna pay, I don't know what the highest was, but I think probably was over five million US dollars to pay for these things,、um, just because they're scarce, right? And I think yeah, the the whole Rolex thing is is something very similar. Yeah. Sure, it has、so、an intrinsic again, value. I'm not gonna not gonna doubt that, but yeah. What the crypto punk, crypto punk twenty four, <laughs> huge intrinsic、has. value. <laughs> Maybe it has. I don't know. I mean, it's a piece of art. So like, and and piece of art, like you know, I don't. It, it's up to your own judgment if you like that. Subjective, so, subjective. Yeah, very yeah. subjective. I can't really tell. You know, I'm not. I'm not into art. But it would be interesting if we were to say, "Hey, this stuff is frozen. You can't sell it anymore. What what is it worth?" Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think then you would value stuff at the intrinsic value, right? You would you would look at, okay, what is this really worth to myself, right? If you had this CryptoPunk, and you'd have to evaluate、um, 
what is it really worth to me to display this as my profile picture and to display this as maybe printed out hanging on my wall or to not even that, right? Because you could technically use it as your profile picture because it's just a JPEG you can copy. You could even print it out and hang it on your wall. You can do that too. So the thing that people actually paid for purely is the, the claim of ownership, right? So they can say like, I own this thing and it's written down on the Ethereum blockchain, right? Mm. That's the only reason why. So, and mm. that would then, you would have to think about the in, intrinsic value of that, I guess, to, to find out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I get, I, I'd like to really think about it in this way of, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still thinking through this concept in my mind, like this um, scale or the spectrum of uh, a lot of Ponziness. Ponzi. And, uh, yeah, Ponziness, the Ponziness spectrum, <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Like what's on the, like, obviously the, the, the initial Ponzi scheme or the pyramid scheme where there's really nothing behind the promise, you get 20% returns. Uh, if you just put in your money, that's like max Ponziness. But like on the more lower side might be something like uh, CryptoPunks or Rolex watches. Um, might be somewhere on that scale, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe it would be easier for, for, for us to visualize it if we say, okay, what isn't a Ponzi, right? Like yeah. we, 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 me, Flo and I said, Hey, yeah, we would pay the three, $400 to get a, a good Seiko watch that we would wear forever and maybe never sell it. Right. Yeah. Because it gives us that value. And so we, yeah. we, we pay that $400 knowing full well that we might never be able to sell this because it's not as liquid or it's not as wanted, or there's not a mature marketplace for it. Yeah. Um, so I think another way of looking at it would be, say you were to buy an equity, right? And this equity paid you dividends, right? And if you were to say like, like, um, was it the best, the, the, the time horizon to own something that again, we're quoting Buffett because Buffett's this, legendary buffer and manga right they're these legendary value investors so they say the 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 best time horizon the ideal time horizon to hold something is forever yeah. right and so for them it's more like you buy something and you hope that you never need to sell it and the value that this thing creates every month year decade it adds it, it pays you out in something Right. So in this case, you would say if you look at the amount of money that went into Berkshire Hathaway over the years and the amount coming out of it, I would say I'm assuming I don't know. I haven't run the numbers, but I would say more money's come in than it's come out. Right. Like from people buying it versus people selling it. I would assume. And if that's the case, but. Then, then, you know, going back to that Doomberg piece, you would say, hey, Berkshire Hathaway has got a bigger pipe going in than coming out. But it's not viewed as a Ponzi because they own companies like Coca-Cola and railroads and airlines, which create value while time passes. Well, yeah, I, I get that piece. And if they pay dividends, I also get that, right? Because then... You don't have to sell it. You just get paid every month or every year, paid these dividends, right? But if they don't pay dividends, yeah. like let's say Amazon, I don't think they pay um, dividends. And um, so 
you could hold their shares and they would increase in price because mm -hmm. there's different opinions on the market of people like who think I, I think Amazon is worth Amazon's intrinsic value is worth more than it is currently priced at. So I'm going to buy mm -hmm. it. And another person mm -hmm. might think the exact opposite. You say like, I think it's overpriced. I'll sell it. And that's how, yeah. that's how you can then make money with Amazon shares. But if you just hold them indefinitely, you're not going to make any money. Yeah. You just have a claim of ownership, but if Amazon doesn't get disassembled or I don't know how to call that, they, um, yeah, I don't think somebody could make make any money with that then. So you have to sell it at some point. Yeah, yeah, you have to sell it. But then again, talking about it that way, you're right, right? You're selling something that is, you, let's say, widely accepted to be valuable, right? Because Amazon's liquidity and trading yeah. volume on a daily basis is massive. Yeah. And when you sell it, you're going to put that value into something else again, right? And so in this case, maybe Amazon's giving you this, um, it has value because it has underlying, it has a business and a system that, that backs it, right? That backs the price of the equities, you know? And if, if, if you were to say tomorrow, Jeff Bezos is no longer there, um, there, there are other competitors coming that, that might give Amazon a run for its money. You would say, oh, okay, that competitive advantage to, to, to provide that value every single day might be, it might be losing it, right? And then the share price would drop. So the share price is, is this um, call again, or this, this marker for what the market on a whole believes uh, this equity's underlying value to be, right? including what it might do going forward, right? you know? Yeah, There's also that expectation sure. going forward yeah. that th that this company will become more valuable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, I mean, yeah. And we, we talked about this with, with tokens of a DAO as well, right? If you think this thing, because you bring this community together and the tokenomics DAO might, might be able to do that, we bring this community together and just like bringing them together, all these smart people, we might create something great in the future and that might be worth holding or buying the token because it's kind of this call option. You don't know if it's going to happen, but you're going to buy some tokens if it does, because then um, you might be able to, to profit from it in whatever way. Like yeah. You might sell it based on the intrinsic value or you might um, keep holding it because, I don't know, we might pay a dividend or we might burn tokens and increase, uh, uh, reduce the, the supply. Or maybe it gives you the ability to govern where this system goes, right? To, 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 too, have a, yeah. to play a part in giving something direction. Yeah. So I guess it's simply, you can learn a lot by, by, by understanding the intention someone has when they put money, when they, they part with their money in to exchange it for something, right? When you buy a car, you want, uh, let's say, a five-year-old Toyota Corolla, you're, you're buying it for the value it gives you. You need it to get from point A to point B. So just the same with tokens. When somebody buys something, they stake something, are they wanting to add to the community via you know, doing work for the community? Or are they buying something purely to say, nope, 
because I'm buying this because I think I'm going to 10x in five years or two yeah. years or yeah. five months, right? Yeah. And I think that intention is important. And, and maybe it is true that a lot of initial movers into the crypto space have been driven by this speculative fever, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important for us to, to, to differentiate between this speculative fervor versus people that are really coming into a space saying, Hey, I love decentralization. Hey, I hate authoritarianism. Hey, I love efficiency. I love flexibility. Yeah. You know, and in that case, it's not, it's not for the, 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 the speculation that you're going to get rich off doing something. It's more like, Hey, this is the life that I want to lead. I, I like the lifestyle that this affords me. And, um, yeah, the knowledge yeah, it brings. I love the community. Yeah. Like yeah. the community, the, 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 the lifestyle, maybe, you know, I, we were talking about this, like, um, I, I work in tech. So for me, it's kind of normal, but, um, I love just working from home you know i don't like going to the office i don't i hate commutes mm -hmm. i love here living here where i live and and being able to you know go for a swim in the afternoon with my daughter if i want to and yeah. it, not having to come back from the office and all that kind of stuff and spend or waste time on the commute and i feel like and then what i also do you know i've lived in a couple of different countries and um i'd love to to just do that if i want to go somewhere for a couple of months and live there i'd be i'd, I'd love to just keep on working in that different time sure. zone like i want time zone to be the only limitation I, I think like this is something that to me gives this whole thing a lot of intrinsic value right so mm. aside from the speculation yeah but yeah i guess this 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 again ties into into rolex right i bet there's people who buy rolex just for intrinsic value and always always have been right because they're good watches i think and um yeah they're they're waterproof and you know they keep the time hold the time very well and they're very durable over time and then there's other people who buy them for intrinsic value but also for speculation so if somebody pays them double the amount they paid for it they would sell it and others might not yeah. because they say like i love this watch yeah i mean i'm not trying to dump on dunk on rolex right i love i actually quite like the brand and you know if say i'd love to buy one i <laughs> yeah like my dad wore one for he I think he, he he bought himself and my mom one when they got married and you know he left it to us and it's it has value you know and if say yeah. I was stuck on on a border war torn country and needed to get across right to get family across whatever it's it also has a a value to be able to wear ten fifteen thousand dollars worth and almost, now it's getting more and more conspicuous right but in the past you'd be able to it looks like a normal stainless steel sports watch right and yeah. you'd be able to to land in any country and go to any pawn shop and get you know enough money to to help you survive right for the next two three months so um yeah it has it its value don't yeah, don't get me yeah. wrong we're just trying to define now when people say something is a Ponzi, how and what makes something a Ponzi? And when we're in the, the, the sphere of tokens and cryptos, yeah, how, how, do we, how do we go in with our eyes wide open knowing what we're getting ourselves into, right? Yeah, yeah. I've done the charts. Maybe we wanna have a look at them. Um, yeah. Because I love charts. And um, 
Oh, really? Yeah. Couldn't tell. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, so look, I've done this and I really like to get a validation because I've got no idea. And Doomberg, hmm. unfortunately, hasn't drawn this um, himself. So I did it. I thought, okay, well, I'll do two bubbles, right? I've got investors. The text is a little small flow. So is, oh, it, maybe is I'll that zoom fiat in. yeah. inflow, fiat outflow? Yeah. yeah nice. Is that better? Okay. Yeah, super. Okay. I'll try to, um, yeah. So you don't have to watch the video version of this. I'll try to walk through it. So we have one circle on the left that has says investors. We have a circle on the right that says a pyramid scheme. So just for me to kind of visualize how it works, right? And for a pyramid scheme, you have a pipe going into the scheme from the investors or from the real economy. And that says fiat inflow. And you have another one that says fiat outflow going out of the pyramid scheme back to the investors. And what I did here, I drew the line going in a lot thicker because that's what we defined, mm. right? So what the pyramid yeah. scheme does, it promises a 20% return a year. It might only have a 5% actual return and no intrinsic values. So for investors to make money, there needs to be a source of new money coming into the system to pay out the ones that want to go out. And, and that's how it, it can collapse, right? Because if there's not enough new people bringing new, in, in new cash, then the whole, thing, the whole thing falls apart because you can't sustain the 20% returns, right? That you promised. So yep. that's kind of how I see that. And then I've done a few of these. So I've done Amazon and we talked about that, right? So here again, I did the bubble mm -hmm. with investors. I did the bubble with Amazon. And, but here for Amazon, I said, well, investors, they own a part of the intrinsic value, right? That's what uh, shares do, right? You own a part of, mm -hmm. of that company. And you can buy and sell these shares on a market based on what you think about the, what the intrinsic value is, right? So that, that's like, there, there's no fixed incentive, uh, sorry, there's no fixed in, uh, intrinsic value written down anywhere. You have to calculate that for yourself based on there's multiple ways to do that. Value investors will know how to do it, right? You can like discount future cash flows. Um, there's other ways. I'm not an expert in this, but everybody like would come up with different numbers. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you would value it. And if you think, well, currently I think it's overvalued, if it's overvalued, maybe you could just look at the PE. Yeah, the price to earnings ratio. Um, and if that's too high, you could think I'm selling it, but somebody else might say, I really believe in what they're going to do in the future. And therefore the price will rise. So I'm going to buy in, I'm going to buy these shares. And then Amazon on the other side, they have intrinsic value, right? The company, because they produce stuff. It's not like the Ponzi scheme where somebody's just like pretending they're doing something they're not. Amazon is, is producing stuff. They're shipping shipping goods. They've got uh, AWS, like the whole cloud thing. And, but they don't, also don't pay a dividend, right? And that's an interesting aspect that we talked about earlier. So you as an investor, the only way to profit from buying Amazon would be you have to sell it, right? Because otherwise you're not going to get anything from them. Um, you would expect their intrinsic value to increase over time. And then when it does, somebody else will be willing to pay more for it than what you bought it for. And that's how you profit. I don't think there's another mm -hmm. way, but that's kind of how I see it, right? There might be some another way where people are starting to leverage ownership of these things and they're able to maybe even borrow against their holdings of these shares. 
which then allows them to get working capital to use, right? That's mm -hmm. something else. So it's basically viewed upon viewed as a piece of collateral, you know, I mean, yeah. it's often the case when you have a brokerage account that, you know, you can, you can buy more than the amount of cash you have in there because yeah. just because they believe that whatever you have bought already, you yeah. can leverage that, right? Because they could so sell that's it. That's one right? other thing. Yeah. That's I mean, one that's other a lot aspect of, to think yeah. about. Borrowing, a lot of borrowing lending protocols in, in DeFi work that way, right? You have to post a collateral, over collateralized mm -hmm. usually. And then mm -hmm. if your position moves against you, the broker or the protocol will sell off, liquidate your positions in order to ensure that they don't make any loss, right? But they'll give you, mm -hmm. if everything goes fine, they'll give you a certain, or they'll borrow a certain amount to you. Mm -hmm. Hey, something interesting happened over the, the week, last week, I think. Um, there was this news uh, headline saying that, you know, Russia asked um, China for assistance with, with the war that they're having in Ukraine, right? And America and the West, Western countries said, hey, if China does actually take part in the conflict, they will be they will come under sanctions as well, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this fear in the air that um, Chinese companies, Chinese entities, would be placed on a sanctions list, right? Mm -hmm. And instantly, right, the Hong Kong. The Hang Seng index dropped, right? Dropped tremendously. Co companies like Alibaba, I mean, I can pull it up, but they yeah. they they crashed. You know, they they absolutely crashed. And so that's one thing to also think about, right? The reason they crashed was not because you know Alibaba's business is mainly in on main on the mainland. So whether yeah. they get sanctioned or not, the value they create should not get impacted that greatly right but for the stock to still move in that way the price of the stock to still move in that way it means people were selling that 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 portion of the value um where they believed they could actually sell it onwards for more or or, or that you know it provided liquidity or whatever so the the prospect yeah. of that liquidity getting frozen made a lot of people decide to dump their ownership in the stock right yeah. So that, I just thought that term. was interesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it wasn't about the intrinsic value in that case. It was about the ability to sell the, the, the trade, the, the entity going forward in the short term yeah. was, was, yeah, was, was, was pressuring them to, to let it go. Yeah. I think, I mean, you can, you can think about this in the same way with like Russian stocks, right? The Russian stock exchange is not open, but you can kind of see what a lot of the companies, um, that are in Russia would trade at, right? And I don't think because of the war, Gazprom is is like getting less or gas out of the ground, right? Or Luke Oil is getting less oil yeah. or the miners are getting less, digging less stuff out of the ground. So their intrinsic yeah. value actually hasn't really changed, but with all the uncertainty, I guess the price changes, right? Yeah, so, so some might even argue their intrinsic value has gone up because the stuff that they're mining or the producing or extracting yeah. has gone up, has gone up in price. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So maybe that's that aspect of intrinsic value and perceived value, right? Because everyone's, yeah, yeah value yeah, is very course. difficult yeah. to define. Yeah, that's what that's what I say. Like everybody has a different perspective on the value, right? It's like mm-hmm. I might have a more long-term view than you, so I'll mm-hmm. I'll say like I'll sit this out. I'll hold my Gazprom shares because in five years time, I think it'll be all forgotten and they'll be back up there because they'll still produce gas. And you'll mm-hmm. say like, I, I can't stomach this for five years. I only have like uh, two months and I'm, you know, my asset allocation is too much on this part. So I'll, I can't, I can't hold it. I need to sell it. Right. Or somebody might say, Hey, you shouldn't own that because it's supporting the Putin regime. You know, so there's yeah. all these, there's all these aspects oh, that yeah. are so yeah. as, asymmetrical, right? But it affects, it affects people's buying decisions and people's buying decisions affects price. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother, a whole nother talk, I guess, on like psychology of, of price and, and how price, yeah, price fluctuates, right? But what I'm mm. thinking about is like really value i don't think fluctuates that much no no and so yeah yeah. cool i've done the one on rolex watches we've talked about this a lot um i guess we can (laughs) skip it i think to some degrees if it's a ponzi scheme like everything that goes beyond the intrinsic value rolex watches yeah are there's a lot of uh, speculation in it we've lost half our listeners all the Rolex fans. Like I, I really like a Rolex watch. If I could, if I could get um, a Submariner, I'd probably save the money and and get one. But I can't. Yeah. It's impossible because I don't want to buy yeah. Datejusts. Um, uh, call me, call to, me in fifteen years. I might have one for you. Twice the price of retail. <laughs> twice the price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can buy it like on secondary markets. Certainly, you can get one there. But it's just like a lot more expensive. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm more of a utility person. So I really like that. So, so Bitcoin gold, the big ones, Bitcoin, I, I put them together in one because I think they're very similar. And I've just read this like brilliant article from Lynn Alden. I'll link it. Um, it's just so good on, like she explains, she goes into what is money and it's like super long. It takes an awful lot of time to read, but there's lots of, I got lots of value from it. It's and, worth the time, right? It's worth the time, totally. Yeah. And she like explains it. I mean, she's, you know, she has a lot of articles that I don't understand that well because I'm not too much into the topics, but this one, she does that very well. So I highly recommend that one. And so she talks about, like, if you talk about what is money, of course, she mentions Bitcoin and gold. And to me, again, it's the same, right? Gold has some intrinsic value. Um, like, worst case, you could just use it for a jewelry. Um, there's some industrial applications for it, but it's not a lot. But um, in general, I think what it does through its scarcity, it mm. um, it allows people to to trade and and mm-hmm. use it as a store of value and, and transact with, right? And I think the the main reason for that, and that's what she argues as well, is the scarcity because it's just scarce. And the cool thing is, like what she describes is this very interesting scheme. She says like. Um, usually our goods, most of our other commodities that we get, like wheat, um, we're, we've gotten so much better in, in, in like producing them, right? 
like think about it 200 years ago a farmer had to with his with an ox driven plow we had to kind of um manage the field and now we have huge tractors and machineries that that just do that and the 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 efficiency has just increased so much but for gold it really hasn't and even though it has to some degree of course gold mines have become more efficient but we've digging out most of the stuff that is easy to reach on the earth right so the the remaining gold that's out there might be like somewhere the oceans are really deep underground or in uh, terrain where you can can't really get to it so through that gold uh, is still scarce even though technology has gotten so much better yeah and and, yeah, and so i think that scarcity is tied to the energy component right like how much yeah. energy human and you know kilojoules of diesel is needed to to extract and produce either that one bitcoin or that one ounce of gold right it's yeah. that makes it scarce it's yeah. there you can go and find it you can you can go and dig it up it just it costs a lot in time and energy yeah and that gives it energy yeah that scarcity slash intrinsic value yeah that people yeah, exactly, can trust yeah. in a way it's like a trustless system right people yeah. know this gold was scarce because everyone knows it's not easy to just walk grow a tree and go pick kilo bars off it right it doesn't yeah. work that way yeah yeah exactly you can't easily produce more of it and then i guess there's also a, a belief aspect in it like people have to believe believe that it's worth something otherwise i wouldn't accept a gold mm -hmm. bar um as payment but the fact that it or the the matter that it is for or it has been for the last i don't know five thousand years um gives it this like utility right because you can use it to trade yeah it's, it's not really um a perfect medium to do that and that's why they put like the whole paper money fiat money on top of it because it's much easier and more divisible than than gold but still you could, worst case, use it to trade for something, right? Um, and the super interesting about interesting thing about these um, these products, these these entities, not entities, gold, Bitcoin, right? These means of exchange, their underlying value actually goes up whenever there's an increase in distrust to whatever fiat system is in play right yeah so um if you're in weimar germany or you're in shanghai in 19 in the 1940s when there's a civil war going on yeah suddenly right your your arms of gold become so much more valuable just because all that all that value that a marketplace needs for this item to be used as a trading medium it gets concentrated into this amount of gold right normally yeah. that's spread out to all the different bank accounts fiat accounts that everyone has and that everyone's using the moment people lose trust in those things what happens everyone goes back to this trusted system that's neutral yeah right yeah exactly. and, yeah. and, and you, you can even maybe, you know, if you go to Venezuela and you've got a, a briefcase full of US dollars, or even if you just had a hundred bucks, you'll realize, ah, oh, this hundred dollar note buys me so much more in Venezuela than it does back home. Yeah, and yeah. Because it's probably because, you know, a stable 
means of exchange in Venezuela is very, very rare. And therefore it's, yeah. you know, it's scarce and it's more scarce than it is in Miami. So that's why it's worth more, you know, it has more value. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. And I guess like there, there's also more belief in it, I think. Mm, it's and, trustless, and, right? In yeah. Case. Oh, are yeah. you talking about the US dollar or gold? Yeah. US dollar. Yeah. I'm talking about like this, you know, if you, if you look at it at a spectrum again, um, yeah. There's more belief in the U.S. dollar than there is in the Venezuelan peso or whatever they have. Um, the Bolivar. The Bolivar. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Bolivar. You're right. And then there's gold on the belief system, which is on the on the far other end of that, right? Yeah, and for such a long time, uh, most market participants have poo-pooed gold. Right, because they're like, why? Why would you care about gold? You've got the U.S. dollar, and it's such a good yeah. system. It's so much more frictionless, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Two thousand and eight happens, and bang, you know, trust gets lost. Quantitative easing starts, and then you see gold starting a bull run. You see things like Bitcoin getting created. You know, suddenly people start questioning, hey, what's what's money? You know, is it currency yeah. or is it money? Or okay, if it's money and it's valuable, yeah. why is it? Where did these guys just suddenly get all that money to to bail everyone out? You know, where did that money come from? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's something that like makes it super valuable. Like both of them, I think, because um, it's scarce. You just can't print more of it. And and I think yeah, yeah. you know, COVID during COVID. Um, Everyone got locked down, right? Uh, everyone got scared. Everyone's looking at their screens and they see, oh, we're going to have a massive def deficit this year, but no worries. We'll print the money needed to keep people in a good shape, right? And we'll give yeah. out these keep them happy. checks. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll print these steamy checks and, and send it out through the mail. And I think that made a large proportion of the population think about money a lot more. They, you know, they're like, Hey, nobody's working. So where's, where's the money coming from? And yeah, yeah, yeah. if I just get $2,000 in a, in my, in my post box, what does that mean? Right. And maybe yeah. that could also be part of the reason as to why all, so many stock markets around the world started rallying like crazy, because maybe people thought, Hey, I might as well put my money in something real rather than, something fake right like if i own something if i own a piece of tesla i guess it's better than owning a few digits in my bank account that the government can then double again at a yeah, stroke yeah. of a pen right yeah exactly yeah yeah but the, so then in that case if we look back at the chart then the fiat inflow <laughs> would be would have been quite high during the last two years right into this well, huge and we've seen yeah. that because the price surged yeah. so much, yeah, right, and and I think here again, Bitcoin and and gold might be somewhat similar again, right? You they have this intrinsic value, and it comes from scarcity. I think it also comes from the network. Like the more people accept it and believe in it, um, the more valuable it becomes, right? The more people I can pay with Bitcoin or get paid by mm -hmm. with Bitcoin, the the more valuable the whole um, network becomes. But like, if you want to get out of the system, you kind of have to find someone else who thinks it's the network is worth more and therefore he's willing to buy, right? Like who's, mm -hmm. who thinks the intrinsic value is higher. 
So I think also here, especially with all this inflation that happened, you have this always have this this uh, aspect of speculation on top of the intrinsic value. But to me, I don't think this is a Ponzi scheme because it really has value, mm-hmm. right? It has value. You can you can use this to transact. It has digital scarcity, and that is something yep. that for me totally speaks against it being a Ponzi or a pyramid scheme. Because it has value, right? Yeah. It's not that it doesn't. It, it produces no returns. That's true, but gold doesn't produce any returns if you hold it. But it has this utility that, over thousand, two thousand years, um, where you have held it, the value has stayed somewhat the same. Or it could, like, the purchasing power of it. Maybe that's a better term for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you were living in a in an environment where the government was a lot more predatory which unfortunately feels like many different countries are heading down that spectrum. Yeah. But say, say you're living in, I don't know, if you're living in a country closer to the North Korea spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Having, having your money saved in Bitcoin, you, you don't even really care if the Bitcoin value is going up or down, right? You just know that. The price. Hey, yeah. Oh, sorry, the price. Sorry, the price. The price is going up and down because the value it gives you is, hey, I can save my surplus in something that is, at the moment anyway, still um, safe from government predation, right? Yeah. Um, if you if you lived in Zimbabwe and you knew, hey, for the last twenty years, thirty years. Um, your monthly salary or whatever you save per month was always worth zero within 90 days. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you'd save in Bitcoin or US dollars or whatever, just because you don't care about the price going up and down. You just care that, hey, it's going to be worth, probably going to be worth something in three months, but my Zimbabwean dollars are not, you know? Yeah. Because it has this intrinsic value for, for that person, right? Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's that intrinsic value that Bitcoin and gold has. Yeah. And therefore it's not, yeah, I wouldn't call it a Ponzi because it does serve a purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I'll go look even further and say like Ethereum is also not a Ponzi. I haven't, what? unfortunately, I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done like a, a Ponzi in, in here, like a real Ponzi. I'll have to, Think about one. I I don't. I'm I'm sure there's lots in the in the crypto sphere, but that's more like fraudulent things, right? But like, mm. if you take away the speculation out of it and you're back to this like intrinsic value, then I think it's going to be hard to find like a pure Ponzi because that's like something that's just fraudulent, right? So, but maybe yeah, you again, can uh, yeah. look at AMC or something. <laughs> Yeah, like AMC or GameStop, maybe that's a Ponzi. I don't know. But the, I mean, many. Yeah, it, I think like that. It also has value. I mean, like GameStop, they still, I guess, they still have a lot of um, physical shops where you can buy and rent games, um, and that has value, some intrinsic mm. value at least, right? It might not be very mm-hmm. high because just technology is overtaking it. But, and, and then yeah. there's a whole lot of speculation on top of it. But 
to me, like Ponzi is really this like fraudulent thing, right? They're pretending to have something that they don't. And I don't think they're doing that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even with AMC, like the, I think that's like the cinemas, right? Um, yeah. They, I think they have, I mean, they, they, yeah. It's still real estate that okay. they have if they, if they maybe, maybe they own it or they rent it or something. So Ponzi's, um, I guess from, from your definition would also have to have that aspect of dishonesty of, of, of saying that you are something that you're not. Yeah. And maybe a permit scheme is, is not that much of a fraudulent scheme, but even if we'd say it's a pyramid scheme, that for me would be something where you'd need more money to flow in to investors to get their money out. And yes, I think mm -hmm. like if, if you get too far on this like speculation side, yeah, you definitely mm -hmm. need that, right? Because it's so far, it's traded so high above intrinsic value. And that's an, a whole nother different argument that you have to have even for Bitcoin and gold, like what's, what's the intrinsic value of this network, right? And everybody has a different perspective on that. Um, yeah. So you might think the intrinsic value of, of Bitcoin is, is like worth much less than it's currently traded at. So you're not going to buy any more. I might think that it's much higher and I'll, I'll be buying more. And so you have like mm -hmm. these totally different opinions on upon the price. And that's, and then on top of that comes like this whole speculation, right? And that's like a more mm -hmm. psychological thing, I think. Like people think the price will go up because others think the price will go up or because of inflation or or whatnot. Yeah. And, and therefore they just try to make money with that off of that right so yeah i don't know i still struggle to to define it really like the whole hmm. yeah what the ponzi is, or what the that, is and how that applies to all that that you give a lot of um insight to right with your walkthroughs because you really take the time when you look at a protocol to really understand how the um tokens are created what are the rules governing how they're distributed etc right yeah so i think with your with 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 let's say ex expertise and insight you're able to help navigate or navigate through these murky waters to understand hey this thing might look good on the surface but what's under the hood right yeah yeah like how to find out what the real like intrinsic value of this thing is, right? What's the utility of it? Um, and how can someone yeah. like make up their own mind about if this is a good price to buy it for and to hold it. And then hopefully the intrinsic value increases because they're, they're producing something Yeah, and uh, then they can sell it later on. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously everything starts from zero, right? Like um, you can't have a startup that, yeah. that has value. The startup might be, you know, on day one of a startup, the startup might have a business plan, might have a group, a team of experienced, energetic people, intelligent people. And maybe, yeah, that's part of that intrinsic value. But people then look at it and go, hey, forward looking. I think these guys yeah. are going to take over the world, right? So I'm yeah. willing to put money in there. Yeah. Because um, I just believe they're going to create so much value. And so my investment will pay off. 
Oh yeah, um, yeah. And in that case, you would say, hey, that's not a Ponzi, but it is someone putting in a lot of money into something that at that point is still not worth much, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you purely think of this like Doomberg circles thing, right? Then, yeah, in, in, in like a lot of cases, you will need more fiat to flow in to be able to get this exit, right? To have your fiat come out again. It really depends on the on the timing, obviously, of that. But I think that's something that's just inherent to the whole system. I mean, that's the same for Amazon or for any other startup you might invest into, right? That's not right. specific for crypto or tokens or Ethereum. So yeah, um, that's kind of how I how I see it, right? And then for the tokenomics DAO, I think like for us to have some sort of intrinsic value and for people to want to buy, hold a token that we might um, create in the future, we need to define for us what that intrinsic value is, what we want to create, right? And, and how we think this will increase over time. And I said this in the, in the, in the last episode, and I've, I've also write about it in the article that we talked about in the last episode, really like what we want to produce, right? It's this, 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 the content, the brand, the community, and, and that in itself has value to me, right? Bringing together mm-hmm. um, the community is almost like 500 people, bringing together these 500 people, there, there's got to be some value in that, right? Um, yeah. Hard to put a, yeah, quantify, but there's got to be something in it. And then I kind of, looked at it from this perspective of like what what else might be out there like you know um reddit reddit i really like reddit it's a great community there's lots of people out there that discuss interesting topics and you'll always you'll almost always find an answer to a question that you have or already find somebody who's answered it and um so how how do you value that right and then i think what reddit did is they they grew this whole thing the community they made it possible they made made it possible that people could do it and then they slapped this like ad model on top right they said like okay now we're gonna um sell the data that we have accumulated here to advertisers and then that's the way we we're gonna make money with that right and so all of a sudden this community that before that didn't produce any real revenues with adding this rep, this this ad model on top, they all of a sudden did, right? Yeah. And people who knew that that, that was going to happen or could anticipate that this was going to happen, um, they might have, yeah, gotten a good deal on that. Maybe the 10x, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, really the 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 core essence of it, of understanding if something is a Ponzi or a pyramid scheme is, what value does it really, really create? What value does it really have? And what value is really going to have in the future? And this is like, to me, it's no different than like value investing in a sense, right? So maybe tokenomics or evaluating tokenomics has a lot to do with that. But then of course it also like speculation is also like a totally legit way to to make money. A lot of people do it. So why not? Um, Mm -hmm. More of the psychology thing. But yeah. yeah. 
A lot well, of yeah. big topics coalescing, huh? a lot of big topics that span a lot of different spheres, you know, it's technology, yeah. it's psychology, it's culture, yeah, money. Yeah. yeah. And like, it tells me that like this whole token and DAO and, and crypto thing is like, it is something new, it's new technology, but a lot of the, the things behind it are just the same as what we are really used to, right? This whole market psychology, intrinsic value, speculation. Um, and there's, there's at the end, it's just humans interacting with it, right? So it's all kind of while new, very familiar. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it's also a branding issue, you know, like when Bitcoin was coming to the fore and everyone was looking at, you know, these guys that were early investors, early Bitcoiners driving around in loud Lamborghinis, right? And you have the, you have the, um, you know, online, they're not the friendliest bunch of people, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, have some, have fun staying poor. Yeah. Bitcoin fixes the world, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you've got the whole legacy media slash financial system throwing everything including the kitchen sink at cryptos right saying that it's used only for money laundering and you have to be a gangster if you want to buy it it's if you own bitcoin you're basically as good as a drug dealer right so climate change yeah yeah climate change so i think it there's there's a branding issue there as well like if we were to just say talk about tokenomics but say tokenomics was something that was under the Apple umbrella or the Google umbrella, I think the reaction people might get to to things like that would be also different, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably like, spend a lot of money on on marketing. I think Apple certainly does, and branding. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess people think of these massive companies with some form of legitimacy, right? That that yeah. and accreditation, right? Credentialists. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, because tokenomics and crypto, it's a lot of people that were drawn to them at the beginning were probably not the highest in, in our social hierarchies, right? They didn't come from the, the elite class. And so you, 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 you have this shift, right? Where the underdogs are, are coming to the forefront. And they don't have the polished, not yet anyway, they don't know, you know, how the different systems that our societies have, how they integrate with each other, run with each other, run parallel with each other, right? Yeah. So in a way, it's like this bull in a China shop just charging forward at all costs. Yeah. And I guess optics wise, it's still, you know, if you go speak to the average grandpa, grandma, you ask them about Bitcoin, I don't think the first um impression that they get that, that first comes to mind is a positive one you know it doesn't need to be grandma it can be people, just people my age there's plenty that yeah exactly yeah, that are like to some degree brainwashed by and ha- haven't really looked into it right <clears throat> they just they just hear this and they see like it's bad for bad for uh the the climate you know and then there's 
Yeah. I just recently had this tweet where this guy said, like, you know, the EU is just about this week to to ban mining of uh, of Bitcoin, right? In the EU, EU. And then this guy had this tweet. I forgot who it was, but uh, he said, like, if they ban Bitcoin, they should also ban tumble dryers because they they use more energy than Bitcoin does, right? Um, yeah, 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 so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like this cherry picking of what's bad yeah. and what's not, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Luckily, they didn't ban yeah. it, so I think that's what I heard yeah, today. Yeah, I think it fell through. Yeah. And and another thing to think about is uh, basically anyone that's coming into this space, right? In a way, they're taking a risk. You know, they're they're going against centralization, which is which is always risky you know because there's always safety in numbers there's you know your upside might be capped but your downside's limited right stay with the herd so there's also that aspect to think about because at the moment it's still a minority thing you know no one bats an eyelid when you say hey i'm gonna yolo tesla right they might go like whoa you're pretty brave right but you tell someone hey i'm gonna yolo luna what's that yeah yeah exactly yeah what's that that's a ponzi and then it's easy to to like go and call it a ponzi without having looked into it really mm. maybe luna is a ponzi i don't know oh, oh, uh, yeah you could make you're up gonna tell your, us your own mind on that oh. yeah we'll do a well yeah we're planning to do a, a session on that maybe next week talk about luna but yeah um do you want to wrap it up? Yeah. So before we wrap it up, what? So let's say we summarize it. We'll say that a lot of these, let's say, heuristics we can use to to ascertain right, how Ponzi-ish something is, right? Ponziness. The amount of Ponziness. Assess the Ponziness. Has. Yeah. yeah. So does it create underlying value? in of itself like is there a system there that's actually doing something for society or for people or for individuals right um what would somebody's thoughts be if they were if they had to hold something forever you could pass it on maybe the next generation but what if you could not sell it would that still be something you want to hold yeah like i don't think these things are definitive yeah. yeah i don't think these things are definitive but i just think it you know, your gut feel answers to these things might might, yeah. might help to inform your your decision, right? And I yeah, think if yeah. if you're always in something just to speculate, yeah, you might be treading the the the, the waters of maybe I'm I'm stepping into a pyramid scheme. You know, yeah, yeah. If there's no fraud going on, then I guess you won't call it a Ponzi, but you might say, hey, I'm now in a pyramid scheme where I'm depending on selling this thing to the greater fool down the road that would pay more yeah. than what I paid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I see if I can do like this, uh, this pyramid test. Um, mm. That one can go through, right. It's certainly like this. Does new money need to come into the system to keep it alive? Um, and like you said, like, who are you going to sell to when, you want to exit right are there going to be enough people yeah. that believe in the system or believe the intrinsic value is growing does it have an intrinsic value um does that grow over time like how yeah. does that work right yeah 
So yeah, that's, I think, pretty interesting to look into. Mm. Yeah, so I guess we've covered most of what we wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think like a whole another topic that I'd like to look into, and maybe we can do this with Luna, is like belief systems, right? So um, it doesn't have to be, or I, think, I don't think it has a lot to do with Ponzi or pyramid schemes, but a belief system could kind of fall apart if people start believing in it, right? And fiat might be that, or gold might be that, or Bitcoin might be that, or Luna mm. and, yeah. and UST, right? If people think like, oh, I don't think it's going to work, and then they start selling it, then you run into these pyramid issues, right? Like you don't have enough yeah. excess liquidity, I think, um, yeah. to get everybody out at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have to find people that have belief in it again and will hold on or even buy. So maybe that whole thing, like the belief system somehow, yeah, comes into this or adds to this yeah. whole hey. topic. You just reminded me of something because um, I was in Australia recently, right? And I was hanging out with my cousin and his family and they're super fun people to hang out with. And uh, we were driving by and we saw, I think, somebody carrying like a Burberry, like a big Burberry shopping bag or something like that. And my cousin goes, hey, did you hear about what happened with Burberry? And I'm like, no. And he said, uh, yeah, there's this guy. I, I haven't gone and looked into it, so he, he might be. Bluff, you know, I might get, he might have told me a big bluff, I don't know, but, but he said yeah. there was a guy in the UK that won the lottery, right? And mm -hmm. he's just been going to the Burberry store, right, with all his mates and just like getting super dressed up in Burberry stuff, walking the streets, getting drunk and getting hung over and doing stupid stuff while being decked out in Burberry attire, right? And he said, like, that that guy apparently has single-handedly, like, destroyed Burberry's image, right? <laughs> so I just thought about that because you were talking about belief systems, right? Yeah. And everybody believes that, hey, only the, the super classy, elegant, rich, elite people can afford to get dressed up in Burberry's and in Burberry clothes or carry Burberry yeah. bags, whatever. And yeah. And then, so you go, yeah, I believe I'm part of that class now. So I'm going to take this, pay up so much for, to, to carry this bag and it'll be a symbol that I've made it, right? Yeah. And then you see some guy getting drunk in a pub, right? Spilling his cider all over his, his Burberry jacket. Yeah. Um, yeah. Disrespecting it, 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 the brand. It, yeah, the it messes it with the belief for. system. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It does, yeah. I just thought yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty... Or imagine what happens if, say, Elon Musk, you know, or I don't know what happened with the church, right? And the 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 crimes that were com being committed by the church and then getting covered, you know, people get, get getting their crimes covered up. Yeah. That 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 hurt the church so badly, right? Because yeah. the belief that people had in the institution got, got got took a hit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's, and that's something this... that really goes into markets as well. I think a lot of that yeah. has to do with it. Oh man, this is stuff falls so out of favor. 
because yeah, you know maybe maybe you can do this this chart with the the flow of fiat in and out but maybe there's also this thing flow of trust you know flow of trust and belief yeah yeah you have this like when, belief when, barometer or spectrum or yeah 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 that's interesting yeah like what happens if somebody finds out that elon musk has a whole garage full of v8 supercars and he just is actually a petrol head i mean i don't think he is but i'm just saying right these things yeah. you know that these people are icons and they're so important to the brand right and they're leaders in in belief systems and yeah, yeah. when they're shown to not be consistent with what they're telling people then belief takes a huge hit yeah it does yeah or like in technology if something you know you believe in something and then there's a a bug that it's found or you know the system doesn't work as good as as advertised or that as you thought it would then yeah that can make your belief crumble too yeah. in it right yeah or what happens if a whistleblower comes out and says hey did you guys know that um every single yeah. apple iphone gets made with a certain chip and this chip actually records everything, every single yeah. thing, yeah. your camera's on all day, right? Like, again, not yeah. saying that that's true, but just imagine what that would do to the value of Apple's brand, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly, yeah. People would uh, definitely lose their belief in it. I'll need, to, mm. I'll need to see how I can fit in the belief into, the, into a diagram, put this into this, like, whole model, because I think it belongs in there, right? A um, belief pyramid. The belief pyramid, the belief scheme. I don't know. I'll have to think yeah. about it. I'll, I'll need some time, but I think belief is is an interesting aspect that goes probably into market psychology and things like that, which I don't know all too much about, but certainly interesting to explore. And I think to some degree, um, yeah, it overlaps with what people say or think a Ponzi scheme is, right? Because if belief collapses, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you have, you have, if you go back to the to the diagram, you'd have like a massive request for fiat outflow out of crypto, right? And it mm -hmm. couldn't, it wouldn't be able to match that. Um, yeah, because the it's going to be hard you with have that lost belief. To do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, liquidity and 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 like find people exactly who have the belief otherwise to think that the intrinsic value is actually. Or that the system is actually good, still good, even though the, a lot of people have lost their belief. So somehow it flows into that, I think. I hope that was valuable for everyone. I certainly, uh, um, yeah. I enjoyed it. So thanks conversation. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Likewise. Cool. So see you next time. See you next time.